This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Good morning, 646. It's time to head to the cinema. Rick Forchuk on the line. Joining us today from uh, from California, but you're not in Tinseltown. Rick, where are you today? I'm, I'm not in Tinseltown. I'm in Sacramento, the state capital of California, uh, where many, many Canadians are wending their way northward after wintering in the desert cities. So uh, there's a virtual caravan happening here, Sterling. I'll bet there is. Now, I want I will, uh, a few movies and new ones to look at this week. And boy, am I ever seeing uh, uh, the full spectrum of reviews for this first one. What's your take on the new Scarlett Johansson movie, The Ghost in the Shell, Rick? Yeah, and you're right about that. It is the full spectrum. So uh, I'll give you the essence here. Scarlett Johansson is the star. It's a movie based on a Japanese original, and you can't mistake the style, which is what most of this film is. It's style that is so visually stunning that even if there were no story at all, the trip to the theater to see this one would probably be worthwhile. Johansson's character is the major. An attack by terrorists has killed her parents and has left her body damaged beyond repair. But her brain in this near-future society, her essence, can be transplanted into a cyborg body that is virtually indestructible. And her mission now is to do as she is told by her superiors, or are they her masters? Now, there are a lot of scenes here that will remind you of The Matrix, Sterling, with mm-hmm. the slow motion building incredible visuals. There are some Blade Runner moments as well. Juliette Binoche is the major superior, giving her the orders necessary to overcome some very bad people. In fact, almost everybody is bad here. The government can't be trusted. Big business is an enemy. And even her friends may be something else. The story hangs together, although when the big reveal comes near the end, you can see it coming from a long way off. But that is a small price to pay for what is essentially a visual feast. Uh, The rating is 14.8. That's the ghost in the shell. Okay. You liked it then? Yes, I did. Okay. But it's one of those you, one of those you got to you got to see it on the big screen kind of movies, isn't it? Yeah, it is. This is a go to the theater movie. There's no question about it. If you're saying, "Well, we'll just wait until this one comes out on DVD or on demand," well, it'll be quite different then. It's a big screen movie. Alec Baldwin is back this time, in voice only in the Boss Baby. What do you think of this one, Rick? Yeah, and this one, Sterling, you can wait until it comes out on demand and watch it on the small screen. You're right, it's it's Alec Baldwin. He's the voice of the toddler in this animated feature. Uh, don't expect Donald Trump, though. I'm not sure that kids will get most of what this movie is all about, which is sibling rivalry and the thinly stretched premise that big business is more interested in getting people to watch puppy videos on YouTube than it is in promoting adults having families that consist of actual children. I think the concept gets lost on kids, even though it's maybe not a bad idea. The story's told through the eyes of a seven-year-old brother who feels like his place in the family has been hijacked when his new little brother shows up, complete with a three-piece suit and a briefcase. Now, Baldwin does a fine job as the briefcase-carrying kid, but it's interesting to note that it seems that uh, nobody has kids the usual way in this world. They just sort of show up, which is probably the one thing the target audience of four- to seven-year-olds will really appreciate. They won't get most of the humor. There is some very inappropriate humor. It'll go right over the kids' heads. The adults will get it. Uh, The rating is PG. It's called The Boss Baby. It's not memorable, and it's not a go-to-the-theater movie. So it's one of those, wait for it, and it'll be, well, worth that wait, right? Yeah, I think that's true. And 15 minutes after you've seen it, you'll say, did I see that? What was that about? But it's okay. While you're there, it's it's fine enough. I saw Jessica Chastain on one of those late-night talk shows uh, earlier in the week, Rick, talking about her new movie, and it's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is serious stuff. You're right. It's called The Zookeeper's Wife, and she is quite exceptional in this movie. Uh, we've seen this story before, told in many different ways. People working to help Jews in World War II, in this case, Warsaw, Poland. Jessica Chastain is uh, the real-life Antonina Zabinski, who, along with her husband Jan, played by Johann Heldenberg, saved hundreds of Jews from slaughter by using what was once the Warsaw Zoo as a pig farm fronting for a smuggling operation. Of course, there's the diabolical SS officer, the friend who can't be trusted and who could betray them at any moment. And what sets this apart from similar films are, well, the animals. Bear cubs, tiger kittens, you name it, they're all here. Some good performances, and that's just the animals, and a touching and at times heartbreaking story based on the unpublished diary of the Zabinskis, which actually became published in 2007. The rating's 14A, and as I said, it doesn't break a lot of new ground here, but as a true story with some exceptional performances, it's unique and it's really worth seeing, Sterling. Now, you think uh, Jessica Chastain uh, might be, uh, this might be Oscar uh, nomination material for her again? She's been there before. Yeah, you know what? I would say yes if it were November. The ah, problem okay. here with a, uh, a release this early in the year is that by the time we get around to Oscar voting, people will have forgotten the movie, the people on the Academy, and that's too bad. Uh, but that's part of the Hollywood issue. You know, this is what happens in uh, November, December. We just have this crush of movies. Everybody has to try to see all the movies that are trying to get nominated, and it's hard to see all of them when some really fine movies actually occur earlier in the year. I was just going to so say. To answer, yeah, to answer your question, I would say probably not. Yeah, only because of bad timing on the part of the studio, if nothing else. I would say so. Interesting stuff. Let's uh, move on to, by the way, I did a thing on Vancouver Consumer a couple of weeks ago. For the first time ever, Netflix is the most popular platform for viewing stuff at home in North America. 54% of households go to Netflix. 53% of them use uh, uh, recording devices, PVRs and DVRs and so on. But Netflix, for the first time ever, actually tops the go-to list for people. So no wonder they're, they're programming as as vibrantly as they are these days what's new over there well with a couple i'll talk about uh, the grand budapest hotel this is a movie from 2014 it's amazingly quirky it's highly unusual it won four oscars and it was also nominated for best picture and it plays out in this location in a fictitious european country between the two major wars between world war one and world war two it is a comedy of sorts it's also a caper movie we have gustav h played by ray fines the concierge who must apply his many skills in pursuit of giving his luxury-loving customers the best hotel experience possible. Uh, the story and that of uh, the story of a man who eventually comes to be the owner of the uh, hotel is played by Zero Mustafa. That's Tony Robioli. Uh, it's against the backdrop of a mystery with a rare painting that's missing. It falls to the two of them to recover it. Uh, this is an interesting film. It is written and directed by Wes Anderson, who did Mount Rushmore and Bottle Rocket. It's a style that you have to either like or you don't like. It's sort of like a Will Ferrell movie. Uh, he's not in this one, but it's like a Will Ferrell movie in that either people say, wow, this is so rad, or they say, how did this guy ever get a job? Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel is right there. You'll love it or you'll hate it. There's no middle ground. It's a 14A rating, Sterling. Uh, Rick, I, I'm trying to think, as you were talking about this and, and, and the Grand Budapest Hotel, there was also uh, something about the Marigold Hotel. And, uh, this is an Indian-based movie, but it's not to be confused. It's not part of that because there were two in that series, weren't there? Yeah, that's right. These aren't even close. Uh, the the very best Marigold Hotel. That's the one. Its sequel were just marvelous, marvelous films. And uh, yes, they were set in India. And that the setting there 
was with retirees, mostly from the UK. Right, right. Came to India because they'd been cheated out of their retirement savings. Uh, so, uh, and those movies are also available on Netflix. You can dial them up anytime. And back to your earlier point about this being the the favorite platform. This is really the era of video on demand. Sure we is. Watch what we want when we want. So, yeah, you're quite right. What else is happening on networks? I see a note here about something called Looper, a movie that I completely missed. Was it a good one? Should I see it? Well, I liked it. Now, I'm a time travel and sci-fi guy, so okay. if it even smells like that, I will like it. But a lot of people said, I didn't get it. It's from 2012. It's an action-adventure film. The time travel element might leave you scratching your head. It's very convoluted. It's set in the near future. We follow the fortunes and the missteps of Joe. He's played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joe is a looper, which is what they call hitmen for the mob in the year 2074 and beyond. Okay. Now, Certainly, because the future is a highly technological place with extreme surveillance, when gangsters have to bump somebody off, they can't do so in their present, which is our future, because of the ease of tracking everybody. So to solve the problem, those to be murdered are sent via time machine to the past, which is our present, where the looper awaits and he does them in with a shotgun blast. Loopers get very, very well paid, but the downside is if they don't get out of the business in time, the mob sends them back to be killed in a similar fashion. Well, what happens in this movie is um, uh, Joe's future self, played by Bruce Willis, comes back, and he's got to kill his future self. But if he does that, what happens to his present self? Well, no kidding. Yeah. So it's a very interesting film, but it's convoluted. The rating's 14A. I did like it, yes, but that's just me. And Dustin Hoffman, speaking of on-demand, Crave TV uh, is uh, certainly uh, becoming a player in all of this, and they're featuring a Dustin Hoffman series recently. Yeah, it's from 2011-2012. Uh, he stars in a one-season wonder that elicited great reviews from critics and severe criticism from the ASPCA. Uh, Dustin Hoffman stars as Chester. He's one of several characters who are drawn to the racetrack to bet on the ponies. Now, the series looks at several different people, all at the trap for a variety of reasons, some to gamble, some to do things less obvious and more risky. Dennis Farina, Nick Nolte, and Joe Hennessy also star as various hangers-on and players, but they really never got a chance to hit their strides because HBO, which produced the series originally, had two horses and a possible third that had to be destroyed after accidents during filming. Rather than risk the lives of more horses and the public outrage, uh, the show was pulled from the schedule after just 10 episodes. So if you want to see the first 10, it's on Crave TV. It's a 14A rating, and it stars Dustin Hoffman, as you said. Uh, Almost out of time here, Rick, but uh, a couple of things, time after time, and of course the Juno Awards. Have a go at both of them in 60 seconds or less. Yep, well, you won't see time after time tonight, even though it's on the schedule. The show has been canceled, five episodes, and it's gone. Wow. Uh, the Juno Awards, yeah, and the Juno Awards, of course, there was a time when Canadian music didn't have a hope of being heard beyond our borders, or even the borders of the city in which the artists lived. But today, with such people as Michael Bublé and Celine Dion, Drake, The Weeknd, having been worldwide smash hits, the Junos are now populated by musicians and singers that we really want to see uh, on CTV tonight from Ottawa, Sterling. And, of course, the host uh, was originally to have been Michael Bublé, and he had to bow out. He's canceled a number of uh, global appearances, uh, paying most of his attention in his life these days to his young son and his battle with cancer. So Michael Bublé will be replaced by the combination of Brian Adams and Russell Peters co-hosting. And apparently there's some big deal, surprise, mystery guest who's going to close the Juno Awards, and you're absolutely right, Rick. Uh, the show has become very world class lately, and promises to be very entertaining tonight. Yep, looking forward to it, Sterling. All right, Rick. Thank you for this. We'll talk again soon.
You bet. Thanks a lot. Rick's Picks from California today from Sacramento. Just a couple of minutes. Vancouver's News. Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.